Thank you for listening to this message from The Resting Place Tampa. We exist for the lost to be found, the found to be free, and peace to reign in our city. For more great resources like this, check out TheRestingPlaceTampa.com. I want you to know that there is a high call on your life. In fact, I want to tell you today about the highest call of every believer. There is one call that is higher than all the others. Are you ready? Here's the punchline. I'm going to repeat this a bunch of times today. This is all I want you to take away. Our highest call is to be loved by God. Your highest call is not to do something for God. It's not to serve in church. It's not even to love your neighbor. It's not even to love God. I know you're thinking, oh, well, that's the first and greatest commandment. Yeah, well, there's a prerequisite to the commandment. And that's what I'm talking about today. There's something that comes before you obeying God. It's being loved by God. You've been called the beloved. Whenever someone gets a title, with that title comes an assignment. Okay? All right. My title around here is I'm the president of the nonprofit organization of the resting place. Okay? I'm the president. That might freak you out, but it's true. Okay? I preside over all the goings on of the resting place. I preside over it. That's why I'm the president, the one who presides over. Does that make sense? So my title brings a job. It brings an assignment. And you have been called the beloved. Guess what your assignment is? To be loved. Your highest call is to be loved by God. If you get this right, if you can just receive the love of God for you, everything else is easy. Jesus said, you know, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. But a lot of Christians aren't living that way. I'll tell you why. Because they put this backwards. They say, I'll serve the Lord. He'll know I love him. And then I'll feel the love of God. Or I'll do something for God. I'll do something nice. I'll give to charity so that I prove my love. And then I'll receive a revelation of his love for me. No, that's not how it works. You're not supposed to start loving anyone until you know you're loved. The highest call of every believer is to be loved by God. I talk about this often when I'm on a microphone because it's so impacted me. I heard a preacher once talk about the difference between Peter and John. Peter was sure of his love for Jesus. Peter knew he loved God, and yet he betrayed him. He was restored later. He denied Christ three times, right? You remember the rooster crows, all that? Yeah. He denied Christ after saying, I'll go to death for you. I know I'll never leave you. I know I'll go to you. And Jesus even turns in that moment and says, tonight you'll deny me three times. Peter was sure that he loved Jesus. That he loved God. And then he denied him. John, however, was not sure of his love for Jesus. He was sure of Jesus' love for him. And John went all the way to the cross. To the upper room. Jesus gave John his mama. His most prized possession. On the cross. Peter knew he loved God. John knew God loved John. He said, I... John is the disciple whom Jesus loved. He wrote that about himself. You can write that about yourself. You can say that of yourself. I am the disciple whom Jesus loves. Because it's true. And this is what gives you the staying power. This is what gets you through the fight. This is what keeps you in the fire. Is you know you're loved. And everything else is less than. In fact, trying to love others without understanding we are loved is an effort doomed to fail. Have you ever tried to love someone? Yeah? Just get married. You'll find out how good you are at it. All right? Listen, my wife is next to perfect. 
and she's still hard for me to love. Those two things are true. You know, it actually doesn't have much to do with her about me having a hard time loving her. It's actually having to do with me. So you could have the perfect spouse. You could have the most gracious, loving person around you. You could have an amazing person. But if you're with them all day, every day, wake up next to them, go to sleep next to them, got to eat meals with them, all stuff, hear them do the chewing sound, the non-chewing sound, all that stuff. Come on. It becomes difficult. And it might have nothing to do with them, like in my situation, all right? It has nothing to do with her. It's just I'm immature. I am one who is weak in faith. I'm growing. Amen? Are you okay? You're like, oh, no, I can't listen to a guy who admits the truth. <laughs> you want that other guy who lies to you? That other lady who claims like they have nowhere to grow? I don't want that. Just telling you. I know your reaction is like, uh, 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 what? He called himself weak in faith. Should I listen to him? I don't know. I saw my friend Brian Simmons post this week something that uh, offended my theology. <laughs> but he's right about it. <laughs> he said, humility is the one thing you lose the minute you think you have it. <laughs> yeah, this is Brian Simmons, not me. Humility is the one thing you lose the minute you think you have it. <laughs> I know, you might be offended by that. I was too, and then I thought about it for 30 minutes. And I was like, hmm, he's right. <laughs> Come on. Trying to love others, just that goal is difficult. But trying to do it without knowing you are loved is doomed from the start. I'm telling you the truth. Listen to what Jesus said. He said first, uh, in John 15, verse 9, he said, I love each of you. With the same love that the Father loves me. That is a radical statement. That's one of the most radical statements in your Bible. This is God in the Son saying, I love each of you with the same love that the Father loves me. You must continually let my love nourish your hearts. That's the command of God. Let my love continually nourish your hearts. You might have heard it this way. It's in the English standard. It says, as the father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. Abide in my love. What does that mean? Abide. The word abide literally means to stay. It means to rest. It means to remain. It means to refuse to be moved. You need to refuse to be moved off the foundation of he loves me. 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 This dandelion only has he loves me. He loves me. He loves me. He loves me. Okay? It's Valentine's Day. I'm feeling a little mushy. All right? You, you're okay. <laughs> so important. And I want to give you some practical tips real quick because I like practical. Anybody like practical stuff? Like, okay, that's true. What do I do? Right? Like, that's me. Okay? So here's some practical tips to abide in his love, to let his love nourish your heart. Here's how you can do that. Very simple. Meditate on the word of God. And you're like, well, meditation doesn't sound that practical. I don't know how to do that. Yes, you do. Have you ever worried about anything? Then you know how to meditate. Continually thinking about not getting it off your mind. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Instead, just go, oh, his goodness. Oh, his goodness. Oh, his goodness. Oh, his goodness. That's meditation compared to worry. Simply 
You can take that verse. Let's put it back up. First, or sorry, John 15, 9. As the Father loved me, Jesus said, so have I loved you. So you can say, Jesus, you love me the same way the Father loves you. That's meditating on the word. You, you say it over and over again. You know, Psalm chapter 1, it says, there's a man whose mind is always on the law of God. He meditates on the law of God day and night, Psalm chapter 1. That word meditate is the word murmur. He murmurs day and night. So you can murmur. This is practical. You can say, as the Father's loved me, so have I loved you. Jesus, you said, as the Father's loved me, so have I loved you. As the Father's loved me, so have I loved you. You commanded me to let your love nourish my heart. You commanded me to let your love continually nourish my heart. That's abiding. That's abiding. Meditating on the word. That's step number one. Here's another way. Soaking in the presence of God. You might be like, oh, this doesn't sound practical either. It really is. It really is. Soaking is really just sitting still and being aware of the fact that God is there. Okay? Because the psalmist said, where can I go from your spirit? If I make my bed in hell, you are there. God is in hell, y'all. Get over it. I know, I know. Your theology's messed up. It's okay. Mine gets messed up by reading the Bible too. He said, if I make my bed in hell, you are there. He said, if I go to the highest heights, you are there. Where can I go from your spirit? It's impossible to escape him. So soaking is just becoming aware of the fact that he's there. We're going to soak right now for 10 seconds, all right? You just close your eyes right now. Even watching on live stream, close your eyes. And imagine the God on your face. Imagine him locking eyes with you, being face to face, nose to nose. Realize that God is in your chair. Christ in you, the hope of glory. The minute you said yes to him, the Holy Spirit came in. Yep. He's in you. He's in you. He's in you. You just soaked in his presence. Come back to me now. Come back to me. Some of y'all will go forever. If I... I'm just joking, actually. If, if ignoring me helps you encounter him, ignore me. I'm serious. If tuning me out tunes you into heaven, go for it, bro. Like, take it. Yeah, there's the lady on the floor. You keep doing that. More, Lord. Not less. More. We're here to encounter Jesus together. You just soaked in the presence. Was that hard? Yo, if you did that, like, before you walked into work tomorrow morning, if you did that for 30 seconds before you made any decision, if you slowed down when you were frustrated and became aware of the presence of the good, good father in you, you'd be much better and nicer to hang out with. Here's the third one. Listen for his voice before you make any big decision. This is how you abide in his love. Okay, this seems like a big decision. I'm going to let the Lord guide me. I'm going to pray until I get an answer. I'm going to wait. I'm going to be still and know that he is God. Right? I'm going to do nothing except I see the Father doing it. Say nothing except I hear the Father saying it. Amen? These are three very practical tips for abiding in the love of God. That's what it looks like. And this love that you're invited to abide in is extremely useful. In fact, God's faithful love equips you to endure the unfaithfulness of others. It's only his faithful love that will equip you to endure the unfaithfulness of others. Because I don't know if you noticed, but the human race isn't really good at this loving thing. I don't know if you noticed, but people have a hard time committing to staying with someone, to keeping that friendship, to reconciling no matter what. A lot of issues with that. Church, no church, doesn't matter. Everybody's got that problem. 
So you need to be equipped to endure the unfaithful love of those around you. And it's hard for me to, to preach this sometimes because I know your stories. I know my story. I know what's going on in the room. I can feel your hearts. Sometimes I feel like I have like 300 hearts in my hand. And it's like, God, what do I do with this? I'm serious. I don't want to mess this up. I'm telling you the truth. I'm telling you the truth that only his love will equip you to endure the unfaithfulness of others. Jesus knows about it. You're not alone in this. Jesus said in John 16, 32, before he went to the cross, he said, behold, the hour is coming. Indeed, it has come when you will be scattered, each to his own home and will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone for the father is with me. Jesus knows what it's like to rely on the presence of God. He knows what it's like to be rejected by men. And even rejection loses its sting when you know you're loved by God. In fact, if rejection is the wind in your sails, you might need to pull down your sails for a minute and course correct and let the breath of his love blow you onto course. Okay? Because if it's not his love that's leading you, you're not being led to good places. If rejection is ruling your life, if you're like, I'm constantly rejected, I'm being rejected over and over again, you need to get a revelation of his love for you. I'm telling you the truth. It's important. I know about this. And this is just me. Like, it's all hearts and stuff today. So jump in here. Jump in my heart. I'm just going to open it up. Many of you know this. I've shared it openly. I'm not ashamed of it. But I'm divorced. I've remarried to my, um, my amazing almost perfect saint-like wife who serves me. She does. I'm not saying it because it's Valentine's Day. I'm saying it's because it's true. It doesn't hurt that it's Valentine's Day either, you know, on our brownie points. She's amazing. I was married to my high school sweetheart before that, and she left me, said she wanted to be single, said we got married too early, said she doesn't want to be married, and then she married a friend of mine. And it really hurt. I'll say it. I don't care. We're on live stream. It freaking sucked. Okay felt like my stomach was being pulled through my rib cage for six months. Like physically felt that for six months. Anyone had a side stitch before? It was like that on steroids, right? It was just ugh, terrible. I woke up with it. I went to sleep with it. Couldn't get rid of it. She handed me the paperwork that day before my birthday. We were in counseling and my birthday gift was I'm done. And I got in the truck and I wept. I thought I had wept before that. I wept for the first time. And I was banging my steering wheel. And I just felt like a piece of garbage. Totally, utterly rejected. I'm not saying this so you feel bad for me. I'm just telling you. In that moment, I made a choice. I made a choice to believe the word of God that I didn't feel. I made a choice to believe what God says rather than what I was sitting in. Which was pain. And I said, I am not rejected. I am accepted in the beloved. You will never leave me nor forsake me. And I'm telling you, I went into an open vision. Like my eyes are open right now. And I saw it. Like my eyes are open. I saw something other than my windshield. Okay. And I'm not going to tell you what happened in that vision. Because it would freak you out. And I don't want it recorded on video. <laughs> it was that intense. But I'll tell you this, and I'll let you fill in the blanks. You won't, you won't outweird what it actually was, so don't worry. All right? <laughs> I went from feeling like a rejected husband to a pursued bride. 
And it wasn't physical, wasn't sexual, it was spiritual. We are the bride of Christ. And I felt the bridegroom king's love for me. I stopped crying. I turned a corner. And that day I was able to release her. And I was able to bless her. And I was able to begin a path of wholeness, praise God, of healing. Because I couldn't take that pain into my current marriage. That wouldn't be right. So the Lord healed me. I'm telling you about my testimony. That was the test. You don't have a testimony without a test. Everybody's like, I want a testimony to, I want to testify. Are you sure? Because the first part of that word is T-E-S-T. In fact, without the test, you're just moany, all right? You just, nobody likes moany Christians, so. Jesus knows the pain of your rejection more than you do. And he feels it with you. But he knows what it means to be grounded in the love of the Father. He knows what it means to be loved. Our highest call to be is to be loved by God. I repeat this all the time. I say this stuff all the time. God's not mad at you. He's madly in love with you. These are things we say often so that you remember them. And I say this often, but it's true. God does not love us because of us, but because God is love. God does not love you because of you. And that's good news because you could turn it on or off if it has something to do with you. <laughs> He doesn't love you because of you. He loves you because that's who he is. Listen to this. 1 John 4, 7 through 11. It says, beloved, let us love one another. Did you hear that? Those who are called to be loved, let us love. It starts with beloved. The ones to be loved. That's your design. That's your call. Beloved, let us love one another for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not know, does not love, does not know God because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, say this with me. If God so loved us, say it with me. If God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. It starts with if God so loved us. It starts with his love for you. Our highest calling is to be loved by God. We can only be loved because we've been loved. We can only love others because we've been loved. It goes on. I'm going to jump down to verse 16. 1 John 4, 16 says, We have come into an intimate experience with God's love, and we trust in the love he has for us. God is love. So those who are living in love are living in God, and God lives through them. By living in God, love has been brought to its full expression in us so that we may fearlessly face the day of judgment, because all that Jesus now is, so are we in this world. That's radical talk right there, Mr. John, the beloved. Love never brings fear, for fear is always related to punishment. But love's perfection drives the fear of punishment far from our hearts. Whoever walks constantly afraid of punishment has not reached love's perfection. Our love for others is our grateful response. Say grateful response. Our love for others is our grateful response to the love God first demonstrated to us. You're only able to love because you've been loved. It's a response to his love. You loving someone else is a response to him loving you. We've been called the beloved, Romans 9, 25. It says, those who are not my people, I will call my people. Who are, her who is not beloved, I will call beloved. That's the Gentiles. That's the non-Jewish people. That's you and me. 
Colossians 3, 12 through 13, it says, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. It starts with those who are beloved, put on tender mercy. The beloved ones, the ones who know they are being loved, can put on tender mercy, kindness, humility. The church has a problem. We try to be kind so that we prove we love God. We try to be merciful as an act of loving the Lord. Nope, never gonna happen. It's not gonna work. That's why the church needs to hear this message. That is the wrong path. It's the opposite. It's get a revelation of his love. I mean, sloppy, wet kiss kind of love. I mean, how he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. I mean, snot nose crying on the carpet. Oh my God, I'm loved by God. That kind of revelation. You need that deep. You need that deep. You need it deep. You need that first. Your highest calling is to be loved by God. In fact, you've been made one with the beloved one. Jesus. I'm not going to read all these, these verses I gave you all, but jump down to the last screen. Matthew 3, 13 through 17. After his baptism, it says God breaks open the heavens to make a comment. Okay, he rips open the heavens to say something. All right, it's time to listen when the sky breaks open and God sticks his head down. All right, he says, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. Not only that, he repeated himself. Matthew 17, 1 through 5, jump to the last screen. He said it on the Mount of Transfiguration. He says, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. When God repeats himself, you need to listen. Okay, this word in the Greek, beloved, means divinely loved. It's a loved by God. It's only a loved by God situation. Divinely loved ones. The Hebrew word for beloved is the root of David's name. Daud. It's the Hebrew word for beloved, which is where we get David from. David. Daud. David. That's where we get it from. If your name's David and you didn't know, you're named the beloved. That's your name. And the word Daud in its root form means to boil. Like a pot boiling over. So get this revelation. When you know you're loved, you boil over with love. It just overflows. You're not trying to step into the overflow. You just can't turn it off. When God said, this is my beloved son, he said, this is my Davidic, overflowing with passionate love son. This is the one who boils over with love because he knows he's loved. You've been made one with him. The life of the believer doesn't end in union with Christ. It begins there. As soon as you say yes to Jesus, you become one with the Son of God. 1 Corinthians 6, 17, Galatians 2, 20, Romans 6, 6. I got scripture for that. I don't have time for it, though. So we've been made one with the beloved one. We're not waiting until heaven to experience the heavenly one. Amen. Christ is in us. Are you with me? Are you the temple of the Holy Spirit? That's the spirit of Christ. Christ is in you right now. So when you know you are loved, love comes pouring out no matter what. Amen? This is so important. It might feel like a surface level discussion. If you're like, oh, yeah, I'm loved. If you're like, oh, yeah, I get it. Let me help you. No, you didn't. I heard this sermon before. Okay, you need to hear it again if that's your response. This is crucial. This is crucial. 
You want to love your enemies? You better not try until you know you're loved. It's hard enough to love those who love me, much less loving those who hate me. Okay? You best start with being loved. It's your call. It's your assignment. We're going to play a video for you. And this video could have preached my whole sermon. It probably does preach my whole sermon better than I could. Okay? But I felt like we should play it. And everything I just said is the scriptural backing for every word in this video. And I want you, to, I don't want anyone doing anything except watching this right now. So let's just settle and get, like, settle in. Movie time, all right? Valentine's Day movie time, all right? It's only three minutes and some change long, but you need to hear every word of this, okay? I heard this video a few years back. It changed my life. And it really was the, the plumb line for today's message, okay? So listen to this video. Every word is for you. Watching on live stream, we'll have it for you as well. Listen for this. Let's go ahead and play that video. says that there is nothing that you can do that would make him love you more. There is also nothing you can do that would make him love you less. He loves you because he loves you, 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 because that is what he is like it is his nature to love and you will always be the beloved and his love is unchanging and he loves you a hundred percent he won't love you any better when you become better he loves you a hundred percent right now and even if you have no plans to become better he will still love you 100% because he loves you because that's the way that he is. And even if you don't want to change, he will love you 100%. Even if you have no plans to walk with him, he will love you 100% because that's his nature. He loves all the way, all the time. His love is unchanging. What will change, says the Lord, is your ability to receive my love. And this evening, I want to cram some more of that ability inside you. So I challenge you, says the Lord, open your heart to me. Open your heart to me. And you will receive more of my love than you've ever experienced before. I dare you, says the Lord. Come on, open your heart to me. Give me your heart. Give me whatever your obstacle is. I'll take it. I'll remove it out of the way. Because I love you as you are right now. I love you 100% as you are right this moment. I love you as you are. So be loved. You are the beloved. It is your job, says the Lord to be loved outrageously. It is why I chose you. That is why I set my love upon you. That you would live as one who is outrageously loved. 
that you would receive a radical love, so radical, it'll blow all your paradigms of what you think love is. And no, says the Lord, I will love you outrageously all the days of your life. I will love you outrageously all the days of your life. Would you stand with me? We're going to just respond to that. Come on. Just go ahead out loud and say, God, I believe that. Come on, confess the truth. That's the truth. Say, God, I choose to believe it. Here's the command of the Lord this morning. Let me love you. The command of God this morning is to let him love you. Let him love you. Thank you for listening to this message from The Resting Place Tampa. We exist for the lost to be found, the found to be free, and peace to reign in our city. For more great resources like this, check out TheRestingPlaceTampa.com.